spoiler alert. Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. How's it going? How you doing? Good, man. How uh, how are you? I'm okay. It's it's weird that this is a short week because time is a, a, a loop, as we're going to discuss later in the podcast, and, and time is a That's complete right. construct that means nothing, especially here in the age of corona. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It is getting a little weird. Getting a little weird, yeah. It's getting a little... Well, there you don't have to be reductive of my thinking it's <laughs> getting a little weird at this point. Um, yeah, just the... Uh, like, today I really felt like I had to go outside for a second. And I just drove to work. Because I had to do something in the parking lot there anyway. But um, it was nice to, like, get out and drive. Felt so, like, oh yeah, the world. You yeah. haven't gone for any kind of drive or anything. Like I know that's kind of one of those weird, like we're no nobody's really sure. It's one one of those things that's kind of vague in terms of the the decorum, the acceptable rules. Yeah, they're they're kind of dancing around. I I think the the big thing for the province is they don't want people driving to get in an accident or use more gas, like more, which is something that would be disgusting and it communities would be touching it and that would be spreading it touching the pumps i mean right and first responders they they have people showing up to uh like they don't come to minor mvas anymore because why should they have to interact with you if if you're potentially hazardous to them and they don't need to be there to begin with? right right exactly so i think that's kind of a lot of where it's coming from too. Cause I, I don't think it really matters to them that people would be like on the roads going for a drive, but then they're like, uh, let's just try to cut it all back. Let's try to not overwhelm the healthcare system with anything. Right. And just generally encourage people to stay the blazes home to torch the, the, the statement. Like it, if you're unsure, just when in doubt, stay the blazes home because Yes, there are certain things that are like legally gray areas. And it's if you're unsure, best to err on the side of caution. Right. How do you feel about the whole like stay away from your cottage thing? Oh, I'm not aware of that. Yeah, like there's been there's been advice being like, no, don't go to your vacation homes or your cottages. Like there's no need for that right now. That makes no sense at all. It's like, well, it kind of seems... It kind of seems like you could go there and kind of get away from people. Yeah, like that seems like the whole point of cottages is to quarantine yourself. That's they're for like they're for joyful sequestry, a cottage. Right, but apparently not in the eyes of the province right now. Are they just afraid of you taking a road trip? Is that what it is? Like a lot of people have have cottages like way up that, Cape Breton or something. That might be part of it. It might be like um, we don't want you going and having like a cottage party. Like everything about the cottage is fun and no fun's supposed to happen right now unless it's, you know. That's a good point though. I do, I do know someone who said that they were going to the South Shore for to a cottage for the weekend. I was like, oh Jesus. As long as it's like a pretty solitary uh, road trip, I don't have a problem with that. But it is a good point that you can more covertly have a party at a cottage and not have the authorities called mm-hmm. on you if you want to go right. against the the restrictions and regulations. I, I kind of get that. Not that I think you should do it, but yeah. I could see how that would be a concern of theirs. Now, I missed the press conference this afternoon. Was there anything, um, besides there being 32 more people in Nova Scotia with COVID? Yes, we're over 300 any, now, I think, right? Big takeaways? 
No, I, I just I think just that we're like yeah, we're climbing I think we were up fast. yesterday. So at the time of this recording, it's like just shy of one and a half million people in the world, just shy of um, mm-hmm. I think half a million people in the states. So they're like basically a third of the cases in the USA alone. We're just shy of thirty thousand yeah. people in Canada, um, and yeah. as of now, we have only one uh, Nova Scotian death on record. Right. And it was someone who was 70 and had underlying issues. This is kind of these podcasts that we've been doing and you and I have been pretty good about it because what the hell else are we going to do? They're kind of standing as a living record, like they're diary entries of this experience that we're sharing together. Totally. And we were there on Trump election night. And now we're we're here today when, when Bernie officially dropped out of the presidential race. Well, no, that's right. This is our yeah. time capsule. That was indeed today. When they say, remember that day, today was that day. Yeah. Although that was kind of a long time coming, unfortunately. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, a better example, a more timely example is just last week we're doing the podcast. I had talked about how it seemed like John Prime was out of the woods. And obviously that statement didn't age very well. Well, his wife, unfortunately, like I heard on the radio the next day, um, the announcer was like, yeah, his wife says he's in stable condition, but like she came back being like stable doesn't necessarily mean stable, good condition. No, it's just like it's just not changing. <laughs> right. For a couple days. Right. That was pretty sad. I, I, I didn't have a personal I didn't have a personal relationship with with John Prine like over a long period of time. I've like been a fan of a couple of songs, but anytime I have um, listened to him. I mean, I have all the same feelings everybody has, but there are some people who are like diehard John Prine fans. Um, and I feel for those people because this is a really weird one. Like it's it's not even like when, say, Tom Petty died over the course of like 48 hours and like you kind of had that that time to to grapple with the fact that like an accident happened, I guess. And it was a drug overdose with, with Tom Petty, I think. Uh, or Prince, which was like pretty surprising. Or Michael Jackson, which I think was surprising. David Bowie. Um Those were kind of like legendary figures who died of things that we have known about drug overdoses and cancer for a really long time. Um, Yeah. Whereas like three weeks ago, John Prine probably felt fine and he had no idea that in three weeks he would be gone. Um, And that's, that's kind of the scariest thing about all this. Very true. First, uh, first, no, there's been a couple celebrity deaths. We had the films of Wayne guy. We had, um, that guy was in like Dark Knight as kind of an extra, uh, not yeah. an extra, but like a, a character actor in it. Um, but I feel like this is the first, you know, like culturally significant loss. It's a, it's a really big one. Not to, verging on household name. I mean, not yeah. everybody. He's still kind of like a niche property, but it's still a big yeah, one. Yeah, he's, he's super niche to me. Like I know nothing about John Bryan. You'd like him. You'd like him. You'd get a kick out of him. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting artist. Uh, I wanted to mention uh, Lee Fierro, who passed away of complications relating to uh, COVID-19 two days ago, in fact. And that's kind of become the the language we use now. Similarly to other 
immunodeficiencies. You don't necessarily die from the coronavirus itself. You die from the complications arising from having your immune system compromised. So you die from pneumonia or whatever. And she was a 91-year-old woman. She lived in a care facility. So when she got the virus, the odds were stacked against her. Um, She didn't have like an illustrious acting career, but she famously played the grieving mother of Alex Kinter in Jaws, who's the little boy who's killed in Jaws. Oh, and so she's the one who's like really right. mad at, at Richard Dreyfus or whatever. Um, and she wears black in the funeral and everything. And, yeah. Um, so she she played the mom in Jaws uh, and she passed away. She has an interesting story that and I just watched Jaws for the first time about a year ago and it was awesome. Um, and I learned about this woman because of a story that I found quite charming that uh, this was kind of her claim to fame, having played that mother in this huge uh, uh, cinema changing movie. She goes to a little restaurant. It might have been in Martha's Vineyard, uh, like a little a little seafood restaurant. And she sees on the menu there is uh, a sandwich called the Alex Kinter sandwich. And so she says to the waitstaff, oh, "Oh, that's funny. Like I played Alex Kinter's mom in the movie. This is a reference to my movie son." And they're like, "Just a minute." And they go up back and they get the restaurant owner, and it's the kid who played Alex Kinter. And they had a reunion, and now he's a restaurateur. No way. Yeah. That's hilarious. Go, Alex. Yeah. He kind of he kind of changed gears Just, a little bit, but I like that he was like a little boy and had this this iconic movie part, and he named a sandwich after it as a restaurateur, as a head chef. Just when she thought it was safe to go back in the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Jaws? Do you, are you familiar with he Jaws? back from the dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was one of those ones that I would have avoided when other people were seeing it as a rite of passage because I so famously don't like blood. Uh, and then and then seeing it, it's, it's yeah. nothing I can enjoy about that movie. It's it's not even really gruesome. It's uh, or or scary. I always kind of thought it was like a horror movie. It's not. It's just a cool adventure movie. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a thriller. Well, definitely, it's a classic. Uh, what you don't see is much scarier than what you see. Kind of less is more. It's the best less is more example in cinematic history, I guess. Right, and a lot of that to do, was to do with the fact that like all of the animatronics failed on the movie. Is that right? They had to. They had to totally rely on um, music because like all of the effects that they were working on were going wrong. So oh. they had to like reshoot it in a way that was a little more like okay, we're just going to try to do it with like music and like suspense rather than actually have like the shark pop out when he was supposed to. So it's just an accident that the shark stands to be this symbol of suspense where that seems so decidedly like a choice to create suspense, especially since the yeah, shark no. is not, it's famously not that convincing and it's so much scarier when you, when you don't see it. Yeah, it was kind of a happy accident. I think once it was cut, they were like, oh, shit, this is really good. Mm. But Steven Spielberg at the time, it was like, it was a struggle. Isn't that funny? A happy accident, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, enough enough mm-hmm. about enough about Jaws, for crying out loud. Enough about Kinter and his mom. <laughs> God rest her soul. Hey, speaking of what we can and can't do, you made a comment yesterday in a meeting about how you're a little anxious about ordering takeout. Do you want to extrapolate on that? <laughs> Are you, is this gotcha journalism? No, I'm not trying to get you. I just, I, I really, I'm interested in that perspective. Okay. So I'm not like, it's not like a huge 
belief of mine. This is one of my like cornerstones of isolation right now. And I know in general, you've you've been like a little more anxious about this whole moment than I've known you to be about almost anything, which by the way, I think is, is very reasonable. Um, and it's yeah. not it's not something I've spent too much time, at least like the ordering food component. It's not I haven't turned that over in my head too much. So I found it interesting that it was something that was that was snagging you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this isn't keeping me up at night or anything. It's not like, you know, don't don't think that I'm like super. But bu- I know we're going to get back to a sort of normal and like I'm not uh, losing sleep or anything because of this. But I just, we were talking about ordering takeout and it's like, it just seems like there's so many hands on the way to it getting to you. So whether that's, you know, even on the box, it's not even necessarily like on the food. Um, Cause I know, and you mentioned too, like there's no proof of there being any transmission from like food to this. That's true. But I'm like, what if someone but they, they also were saying at, at some point that there's no evidence that wearing a mask helps um, from preventing people to get... Or You know how that changed this week? Or uh, last weekend, two tigers at the Bronx Zoo got coronavirus. And before we were like, well, your pets can't get it. So if you get coronavirus, just sit, sit with the cat on your bed and they'll nurse you back to health. And now if I get coronavirus, I can't even like snuggle with my kitties because they might get COVID. I know. Well, and, and the question too is like, what what's happening what made them what prompted them to test these two tigers i know when people can't get tests did they ever explain that no yeah they're like nba players now <laughs> yeah exactly no it, it's true that there's no proven like it, case it's a huge it, mystery how these actors are absolutely um there's no proven case of food transmitting covid19 that doesn't mean it couldn't necessarily happen to be fair but we do know about what coronaviruses are and I don't. I don't speak for myself. I just mean the royal the royal we. Um, experts, this is not their first coronavirus. It's just the worst one in our lifetime. It's the first time we've had COVID-19. And I guess they know enough to know that if it's been cooked, you're good. For the same reason, you could bring the takeout home and zap it in the microwave for 10 seconds. And if you're a little nervous, that might put you at ease. Certainly containers, surfaces, can have the virus on them for X amount of time. And anytime we bring something into the house, including groceries, we wipe it down with Lysol wipes. Everything before it goes in our cupboard or on our plates just gets like a quick wipe down because of the container and because of the peace of mind. Um, But I would argue the food that you buy at the grocery store has been in as many hands as food that you order at a restaurant. Um, It's also been in more... You're right, you're right. And we do wipe it down. It's been in more provinces too. It's been in more parts of the world if you buy it at the grocery store than if you buy it here. And then, of course, there's the uh, supporting struggling local businesses component. Yes, that's true. You know who I don't think is struggling right now is are the alcohol companies that are doing delivery. I think that's here to stay. I Honestly, yeah. like this, It's one of those things that like, why aren't we... Well, for example, I went to the NSLC... And by far the best retail uh, operation I've seen since all this began. They're so excellent. They're so strict about your distancing when you stand in line. It was like pissing rain when I went. And you just had to suck it up. But they got somebody going up and down the line getting stuff ready for you. So you don't have to be in the store any longer than than you have to be. They have those protective shields up at the register. And this is something 
that they should just keep going forward. Grocery stores, liquor stores, retail in yeah, general. Why wouldn't that? Why that's a filthy job. You might as well leave those up. Yeah. One hundred percent. Um do you think that do you, is this lagging at all? It is lagging a little bit. This is see, we're using Zoom for the first time. We usually use FaceTime and that's that was my suggestion. It's my bad. Next time we'll go back to FaceTime. No, no, that's a, that's okay. Would it be worthwhile to hang up and and call via FaceTime? Let's do that. Okay. Okay, cool. I'm gonna. Hang do you want up. me to call you? Uh, sure. I'm gonna hang up now. Okay. Hey. 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 There he is. That's better. Coming in loud and clear. Looks like Apple. It's just slightly better than Zoom. Well, this is unusual, though, because any other time I've tried to have a FaceTime conversation, it seemed like FaceTime is is old hat now, and Zoom is much better mechanically and just in terms of the zeitgeist. But you know what? Zoom is not to be trusted, as it turns out. That's right. I know. I think we all jumped the gun a little bit on Zoom. We trusted Zoom really quick. They were the first ones through the door. Not really, because Skype, I guess, was. But they seemed to be the ones that everyone just automatically gravitated to at the beginning of this virus. Which, why? And Zoom is in bed with Facebook, who obviously can't be trusted. Oh, yeah. Cambridge Analytica, brother. That's it. Man, I'm telling you, Cambridge Analytica, <laughs> they're out to get all your info, man. Oh, we're going to be the next Rogan. I can see it now. <laughs> Buy this supplement. It'll change your life. <laughs> so not everything in pop cultural news uh, is, is COVID related. Not that there's a whole lot to talk about and there won't be. That's just going to be something we have to deal with for a little while. Uh, but for example, um, we've seen a bunch of stills now from the, uh, what's it called? Space Force comedy show from Greg Daniels, creator of The American Office and starring Steve Carell, star of The American Office. A bunch yeah. of stills came out, which means a trailer is going to be coming out pretty soon. It comes out next month, so we'll be able to do that mm -hmm. on the pod. And Lisa yeah. Kudrow is going to be in it. Yeah, was that a new development? Because when I saw that today, it's like Lisa Kudrow and Ben Schwartz and... Um, yeah, there's like multiple uh, kind of heavy hitters in it. Man, anything with Ben Shorts, I, I mean, short of Sonic the Hedgehog, which I'm just not going to watch. Uh, right. But I'm so in on Ben Schwartz. He's one of my favorites now. I don't know when that happened, but I just love that guy. Did you listen to the uh, Pete Holmes with Ben Schwartz? I did. That was great, wasn't it? Lovely guy. Lovely. He just yeah. seems so warm. I know. He's always really fun, but I was never really sure what his like persona was like amongst uh you know the kind of hollywood elite but i came out of that being like oh everyone thinks that he's just he's a friend he's genuinely friends with billy crystal now i guess yeah well that's kind of what i didn't know i didn't know if he was like trying to just kind of like get to the top and have all these celeb friends but he really kind of laid out his uh his vibe did you see the trailer for his uh, improv show with middle ditch that's gonna be a, a yes, three, three part netflix special which that looks like a blast i did see that uh, by the way, do you follow Thomas Middleditch on Instagram? No. <laughs> he is. You got to just follow him and go through some of the like random stuff that he does. One of the picnic face guys was in a, a improv troupe with Thomas Middleditch like once upon a time. It might have been Andrew Bush, I think. I, I remember seeing that on Instagram at one point and being like, wow, the, that's a small that's a small community improv. Yeah, I remember. I think I might have sent you that. Hmm. I forgot about it, too. You probably did. I was like, whoa, they, they were all like in the same world for a second. Yeah. Um, yes. Oh, very shit. Very funny person. I just, have you listened to? 
I just realized I forgot to set the DVR for the return of um, uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which is coming back tonight in prime time. Oh, shit. What time is it on? I think it's on a nine, nine o'clock. I'm imagining it's nine o'clock. It's family viewing. Although maybe not because it's following the series finale of Modern Family, which is probably at nine o'clock. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's probably, you're, it definitely is following that. Okay, just one second. I'm going to text Jen and tell her to set the DVR. Jimmy Kimmel is hosting the celebrity edition of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. It's its first time on primetime television in 20 years. Are we old? Yes. So, Who, like, remember Regis? Yeah, I remember Regis. <laughs> what if they just brought him back for it? I, I, we haven't seen Regis in a long time, and he's an old dude now. Like, I know. Is he 90 yet? Maybe not 90, but he's old. Alexa, how old is Regis Philbin? Regis Philbin is 88 years old. 88. He was wow. born on August 25th, 1931. Do you, you want to answer know his net worth? Question? You did answer my question. She she didn't ask about the net worth. Oh, wow. She's, yeah. She's machine learning. I guess. Or she's just like developed some class. Right. It's not all about the dollar. <laughs> She's just growing personally. He doesn't have to want to be a millionaire. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, some of those, like that, it was funny. I was listening to a Bill Simmons podcast when he was talking about the phenomenon of that just coming out of nowhere when we were in elementary school. And everyone just huddling up and watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire at Night. And then within like six months, I think it was Survivor that came along. Yeah. And everyone was like, this is a reality show. Like, let's watch this. Well, the idea those real of giving away a million dollars had never been done before. Who wants to be a millionaire? That's why they named it that. And then when there was right. another show that was more otherwise engaging, more dramatic, and you didn't have to be a brainiac to feel like, because the thing about these trivia shows is sometimes they make you feel smart and sometimes they make you feel dumb. Um, right. And so I still think there's a place for like traditional single set uh, game shows like Deal or No Deal, like you get involved with the with the gambling aspect of these shows. And if you do happen to know a $32,000 question, you feel like a baller. Um, right. But you're right. I think Survivor probably helped to, to kill Millionaire. Although I think Millionaire, it has as many legs as, as Survivor does. And I'm in the Survivor camp, but I think Millionaire can still be good. And I have more passion for trivia now than ever. But Millionaire got oversaturated very quickly. It was a daytime show for a long time. I mean, it was hosted by Meredith Vieira and Terry Crews and everybody who could have hosted uh, Family Feud instead hosted Millionaire at some point in daytime. Right. And I don't think that, um, I don't know that it did have the legs that like uh, uh, Price is Right or because it maybe it was just the, it wasn't around for the same amount of time and, and we didn't like grow up with it in the same way. Maybe. I'm not sure how the game has changed. Like I know they've altered the lifelines quite a bit because smartphone culture has changed everything. Like phoning a friend used to be, you better hope that friend knows the answer. And now it would just, I mean, I, I don't imagine they do phone a friend anymore because now it would just be, you better hope your friend has Wi-Fi. Um, right. It would be so easy. Uh, I know they had ask the expert for a little while and I think they're still doing something expert related. Like you can get, you know, Bill Nye huh. to be your expert or James Holzhauer. He would be a really good, interesting right. expert right now for a game show. You um, know, what's so ridiculous to me is the whole premise of Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. 
<laughs> taking place on who wants to be a millionaire yeah like strictly on this show that everybody knows it's it's a really yeah. weird but i mean it's a cool story i watched that less than a year ago because becky had never seen it we watched it at the cottage of all places while enjoying a uh, um, voluntary sequestry we watched uh slumdog millionaire and it's it's a pretty good movie it won best picture i think um, but you're right. It's so specific pop culturally that it could never right. have aged well. That's going to be such a meme. Like, remember when people would just sequester themselves recreationally? <laughs> it's kind of like that. Yeah. 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 Like, is there a part of you that's like, I just want to go have a big party with people? Uh, n- I mean, I've never been that kind of person, but there's certainly a part of me that, I mean, it's the biggest part of me that wants to see my friends. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you that I am kind of like enjoying, I mean, like weird bright spot, I guess. I'm kind of enjoying doing like a Saturday night Zoom call with 10 other people and having my, like we're doing a big poker game. We're all going to be at our houses. How are you doing poker? So it's this app called oh. like Poker 2 or something. Okay. Um, Jen texted me back and said, leave me alone, weirdo. It's not on until 11 p.m. <laughs> oh, 11. Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, that's fun. We actually haven't done like a big group Zoom chat. Uh, we've, you know, we always go to my parents' house for Sunday dinner. And so we've just had to do virtual cocktail hour on Sunday nights for the last couple of weeks. And so we do that. That's nice. But we haven't, we haven't really had a lot of friend hangouts on, on the old, uh, on the old Palm Pilot. Really, I've been a Zoom whore. That's good. Like, like I, we had three calls last weekend. People are doing like virtual birthdays. I'm jumping off one call onto another call. I'm like walking around the house. I've got a beer in my hand. I think, I think that your friends love you more than my friends love you. I think that might be part of it. In general, you're just like a more like social person. You were going to take to it better. No, I think it's. I think it's got more to do with like um, big group chats yeah that our friends have going on do you have a, like a consistent big group chat you mean just mean like in text like a whatsapp group or text group sometimes yeah. on facebook something gets lit up for a little while and then people like nitpick for a couple of days but no it's it's not right. a consistent like it's not a living organism our group chat i think the fact that we have so many people in it keeps it living because like 10 people might not talk the same 10 people might not talk for like a week, but yeah. eventually they'll get brought back into it by the 13th or 15th person. And then it cycles on. I can't speak to the group chat um, that's available within FaceTime. I know you can do it. I think maybe it's more problematic than zooms, but you and I right now, this is way better on FaceTime than it was on zoom. It's like you're here. Yes. I, that's what I was thinking. Like I've never, we've never had problems talking over each other before. But I would start a sentence and be like, are we both talking at the same time right now? And then I'd see you cut out. Anyways, yeah, I think FaceTime's kind of the way to go. Like, it's the gold standard. I think you're probably right. Hey, I watched the series finale of Schitt's Creek last night. So that show's done. What'd you think? You know I'm an apologist for a series finale. Ooh. It wasn't my favorite. It it kind of let me down a little bit. It wasn't like really. It wasn't really disappointing. It, we laughed a bit. It was only you know twenty two minutes. It felt a little rushed. Like the whole season's been leading up to like a wedding, and the wedding was like a five minute part of it. And and then like the goodbye. Like this is a show that is super funny, and kind of like darkly funny at times. And then 
when you least expect it, it like wraps a warm hug around you and you start to kind of like get misty. That's something that right. Schitt's Creek has really like banked on for certainly its latter half of the run. Um, and I, 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 Becky kind of cried a little bit. It was sentimental, but I think they could have gone harder for the sentimentality. Like it, I didn't really, I didn't really hurt when they drove away from that motel. No way. So two years down the road, someone says, Hey, I saw the first episode of Schitt's Creek. Should I keep watching it? Your response is, Oh God. I mean, just, just because the, the final episode didn't make me weep doesn't mean it still wasn't one of the most joyful comedy experiences I've had in my adult life. I adore that show. But that, that does weigh on me heavy. And I think that's going to stick in your mind how the finale was a letdown, the wrap up. Maybe. I mean, to be clear, it's, it's, I don't feel about it the way people felt about the lost finale, which I also think is good. Uh, it was mm. fine. It just, it, it's, I, I won't remember it that well, probably. But you still haven't seen the greatest finale of all time. And until you see that, everything else is just going to pale so much in comparison. The Sopranos? No, no, God, no. I don't know what leftovers. you're trying to say. Oh, the leftovers. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't. I haven't seen it. The Good Place The good place didn't do a bad job. Good Make place sure shows like, end well. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a pretty interesting ending. Um, I am excited to get to the end of uh, Parks and Rec. We're into the sixth season now. Oh, okay. Flying through it. And it's funny because I saw uh, Amy Poehler on Seth Meyers talking about how her sons are watching it now. Yeah. Uh, how old would her sons be? Like eight and ten kind of thing? Well, yeah. She hasn't been with Will Arnett for a little while. Right. Um, he was in the first or second se- uh, season of the... Remember he played her like really bad blind date at one point, like in an early episode of the show? Oh yeah, right. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess they're probably eight and ten. Maybe they're twelve. So, anyways, I guess they're watching it, and she's like, she was basically talking about how it is like the perfect show to be watching right now, and she's like, and I don't say that because I was on it. I just think like, ideally, it is such a such a good show to binge. Parks and Rec celebrates optimism. I think it celebrates friendship, community, and optimism. And how could you have a better recipe for for exactly what we're looking for they do some weird stuff um in season five and six and i think we might have talked about this before when like andy is clearly filming guardians of the galaxy and he like loses 40 pounds um but also like stuff with ben's job becomes a little confusing okay like he just ought like one episode he's just working with chris again and there's no mention of his other job at Sweetums. Interesting. And that's like another line that's, and I only know this because I'm binging it. Otherwise, I probably would never really pick up on it. It's funny you but do he's pick got up the whole on Sweetums it. Job. Because yeah. it, it's such a through line for the character that his job is like never that secure. That's kind of the thing about Ben. Right. And he keeps going back. That part I really, <laughs> going back to the accounting part, yeah. that is the best. Calculator. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh, Ted, you got to get in here. So the the last season, season seven is, I won't give anything away. It's a bit of a shakeup. It's still a great. I watched, I watched the whole season. Oh, you've seen all of season seven. I've seen all of it. I just don't really remember. Like it was in 2014, 15. Right. Yeah. It, so it, everything kind of changes a little bit. And it's it's one of those, 
it's one of those strange things where the the sitcom which is kind of on its way out makes like a big dramatic change in its last season and that's almost never popular and right. they, they, they're they kind of good like five years or something don't they they jump a couple years yeah okay. yeah they're living in the future yeah it's good i wonder if we're caught up to the point where it jumps yet do you know no, you know when it happens but i mean like i are, oh. are we in the year that it jumps to yes i think we are or i think i think it. we're past it yeah okay that's always kind of weird. That, that's a thing that happens with How I Met Your Mother. Like very quickly, you're you're just living in the time that they were talking about as like a flash forward, and then they're making jokes about like flying cars and holograms and stuff, and you're like, yeah, right. not, not so much. Right. And, well, and Biden might uh, that scenes from that show might have more legs. Actually, I'm surprised that people don't like gif scenes from that show a little bit more. Um, but all the Biden stuff that happens in it, and especially in the last season, which I remember. Um, Joe Biden has a cameo. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised that that hasn't made any rounds yet. Michelle Obama has a cameo in that show too. They get like good, good government people. Yeah. That must also happen in the last season. I think it does. John McCain is in an earlier episode. Yeah. It, there's for like, like two seconds. There's like a Newt Gingrich one. Um, I, I They yeah. might get like Nancy Pelosi at one point. Like they get like a bunch of like old dogs of Washington. Yeah. Right. I wonder how Amy Pol like was that really important for Amy Poehler or was that just kind of uh... I think it's really important for Leslie Nope. I think that that's like a great way to to exhibit her giddiness. Yeah. Plus yeah. bipartisanship is always like like they don't ever talk about party politics. I don't think they ever say the words Democrat or Republican in, no. in Parks and Recreation and that's kind of a nice thing and that's that's a gone by premise. Bipartisanship. Right. Yeah. It's only uh libertarian or non-libertarian right which is also kind of a dirty word now except it's charming when it's ron swanson right so fleabag is is coming back kind of this is very exciting because we've never had an opportunity to see the stage show that launched the you know the 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 big myth that was fleabag last year um started as a one-woman fringe show uh it has been filmed it was filmed i think maybe two years ago and they're going to put that on Amazon Prime. I don't think it'll be on demand free. I think you have to pay a, a fee, a $5 fee or something, a cover charge with uh, proceeds going towards COVID-19 relief. Uh, but you can see Phoebe Waller-Bridge do her one woman act uh, of Fleabag starting, I believe, this Saturday. And I'm psyched. I will definitely pay $5 to see that. Now, is it happening live or is it's just a recording? That's it's a record. It was done. It was like done at a like professionally taped at a fringe fest a while back. Okay, gotcha. And she has a new show. I don't know how involved she is in the show. It's it's like from Phoebe Waller Bridge Productions or whatever her company's called. It's called Run, and it stars uh, Merritt Weaver and Donald Gleason. And it's like a thriller. So that comes out next week too. Yeah, and what's that coming out on? Do you know? Like what platform? No, I don't know. Hulu, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Hulu seems to be really like cranking down on the goods lately. Yep. And they're still yep. not available here, but they're owned by still Disney. Not available here. Yeah. So does that mean Disney Plus is going to start airing some of the Hulu stuff? Not so much. I think they just kind of like they could never get away with putting Handmaid's Tale on Disney Plus. And so they just try and like keep them separate. This is why when. Uh, the Lizzie McGuire reboot was embattled. Um, or, for example, the High Fidelity show ended up on Hulu instead of Disney Plus, where it was initially meant to be. Uh, 
it seems like a natural transition. This is why Hillary Duff says, can we just go do our sh- the show that we want to do at Hulu instead? Because we want to have some adult themes in our show. Because then right. it's not changing hands. It still belongs to the same executives. It still belongs to the mouse, just in a smaller way. And you can, you know, Lizzie can say fuck. Is she... I've, I've heard that that's not dead and it is happening again. Yeah, but I don't think it's moving. I think it's going to stay at the plus. Okay. And a, fe- but- a female-led Doogie Hauser reboot is happening at the plus. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's that's one of those things that's like kind of unfortunate because like who's going to be Doogie Hauser? It's going to be some unknown. Yep. There's not even a chance to have kind of fun with who the new person is. I really struggle to imagine. I really struggle to imagine how the original Doogie Howser worked for anybody. Like, what was that show's audience? Should we cover that on the show? Show sometime. Just watch the pilot episode of Doogie Howser. Well, maybe when they reboot it, we'll do a a double Bill Doogie. Yeah, (laughs) that sounds good. We'll do both Doogies. Double Doogie. We're on double Doogie duty. Right. That's really all I have for pop cultural news. There's a, a Louisiana police. Uh, station that had to apologize for using the siren from the purge movies to signal the coronavirus curfew i saw that did you did you see the purge at all no of course not aren't they really brutal Um, yeah i haven't seen it either it seems like a a movie that i like the first one i would watch and then beyond that gets a little crazy the premise is interesting but i i always understood them to be really like final destination gruesome like the trailers are scary for the Purge movies. Yeah, it could be kind of Final Destination, like Saw. Yeah, gruesome. Did you see uh, the Tiger King thing about how? Um, well, a couple of things. Apparently, there's another show dropping this week. I don't know if that's been confirmed or denied. I think it's confirmed. I think it's going to focus on Jeff Lowe. Um, I know Carol Baskin's not involved at all because now she knows what she is to the public. Yes. And I'm guessing that Joe can't be involved either because he's going to be in prison for the rest of his life. Did you see the thing, too, that says that, like, Joe Exotic's racism was hidden by uh, the creators or something? Basically, they just decided, like, we've got so much meat here. We have to whittle this down to seven or eight episodes. And we could create a whole arc about how he loves the N-word or we could just not go there because there's so much better story to tell. That's kind of what I took away from it. Like, you know, the one episode where they're like, oh, and by the way, Joe gave me tons of meth. That's why I married him. Yeah. <laughs> like that was like briefly mentioned in the show, but I'm pretty sure there was a lot more drugs on Camp Joe Exotic than they hinted at in the show. Yes. And Jen kept coming back to like, I don't understand why all these straight guys keep marrying. It's the meth. I'm like, I think it's the meth. Did you see, by the way, that uh, that uh, John, I forget his last name, like the the main husband they talked to the most that he got his teeth fixed and he looks great now. John Finley. Oh, no way. He's unrecognizable. Wow. I actually think the funniest meme I saw about him was uh, social distancing, and it was like two of his teeth that were closer <laughs> together. And that's like, like, this is social distancing. I don't know if I can go back. Like, I get that that it was the biggest thing. It's It's got the record for the longest number one Netflix show ever. Um, yeah. It, like, 35 million people watched it in the first 10 days. It's insane. Um but it was a time I didn't even really enjoy it as much as I just was consuming it. And to go back, no. I mean, I'm not going to kid myself. I'll watch the the next episode, but like it's, it's you, a drag. I, I don't care. Like, like you don't 
you usually go back to shows because you like the people in it. You don't like anyone in this. No one. No one's a good person in this show. You're watching it in spite of itself. I mean, I, like everybody, want uh, Carol to be more heavily investigated because I don't trust her. I also want Jeff Lowe to go to prison for sure. That guy's also a scumbag. Like I'm not yes. part. I'm not part of this. Joe is a uh, mistreated folk hero, free Joe exotic camp. He deserves yeah. to be where he is. But I just think all of them should be in there too. How many quotes do you think he had? Like, uh, like imagine all of the editing that had to do on this show. It's confounding. Insane. Insane. For them to like end the show with like you know. Those two monkeys were next to each other, and then I let them, <laughs> sold them to another zoo, and they're all hugging on each other. And I gotta wonder if I like ruined their lives, kind of thing. I know. Like uh, how how much of that must have happened throughout the show? He did weirdly have like occasional soulful moments where every now and then he would be like really empathetic and really like uh, lucid, and then those yeah. those were few and far between. Right. And he also was a monster. Yeah. Like he didn't have any any actual love for animals. He for sure burned down that barn and killed those alligators. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely did. And like I wish there was more video. Well, there was until the fire. Yeah, but I I mean I wish there was even more like security cam video. It's a heck of a show. There's no question. It is one of the craziest things. And it and it took yeah. and it took a pandemic to everybody get sucked in. I, I'd be really interested to see if it was if it's still the biggest show in the world if this wasn't happening. Conspiracy conspiracy theory. The the creator of Tiger King started COVID. Oh, you think so? I mean, there is Don't an animal. There is an animal connection. Well, and now a tiger has it. Yeah, is that You're what right. you mean? Well, that's the, that's what everybody was saying. That geez, right. haven't tigers been through enough this week, right. this month? <laughs> well, and no one has even mentioned like I have not seen one meme of Tiger Woods that's like the original Tiger King. That's true. And I also I also while watching the show was like, okay, he's got tons of cats. He's got like he's got a lion. Why don't they call it lion? Uh, and then I went, oh, I had no. the same moment. I was like, oh, Tiger King means Lion King. Right, yeah. And also, I did not know. Here, I've been like, uh, I was born in 19, 1991, and so I remember when Napoleon Dynamite, Dynamite was big because I was in junior high. I didn't know ligers right. were a real thing. I just thought that was like a thing in Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, bread for its matter. So I see. Except that's like a dirty word in their culture. They're like, we don't like to, I think it was Doc Antle. I think he was like, ah, we don't like to call them that. I guess. He also liger. doesn't get his comeuppance, although he got raided at Christmas time. No, I thought he was the most interesting part of the show. Uh, he he upset me the most, honestly. I found him the yeah. most the most troubling. Well, yeah, you're right. Like then there were memes that came out that that said, you know, we kind of just brushed over the whole like doc anal polyamorous boob job. Has like a cult harem. of teenage slaves basically. Yeah. yeah. Like that is like I I do kind of want to learn more about that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hate watch that. I and hate watching free it those people. Yes, I know the poor people. But everything else, I'm uh, I'm kind of out on. Apparently, like Joe Exotic, uh, I guess David Spade has continually shut down. Like like Kate uh, Kate, Kate what's her name? Yeah, is gonna play Carol Baskin. 
Like we don't need any more of this. We don't need. That's to not going like to that. actually happen, right? Like I know that that Kate McKinnon is attached to something, but like that shouldn't happen. First of all, it she's like won't. twenty years too old, too young to play Carol Baskin. I don't know what. Like, is You're this right. a joke? Is this like a? This must be a joke movie. Oh yeah, I think it would be like a comedy at that point. But it's an awful lot of. Sadness. But even so, it's like, how do you make a comedy about a comedy? Yeah, it's funny enough. It's the whole yeah. the whole point is it's real happening in front of your eyes. Why reenact it? Right. Anyway, I we love, said it all. do you do you watch much documentary now? No, I've never seen documentary now. I know that's that's weird because I would love it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I would too. They they did one specifically called the Blue Jean Committee that was I think centered around like the Eagles, yeah, or like the Allman Brothers. It's like like those seventies yeah. Americana rock bands. I think I want to watch that one. Okay. I think that was the one that was nominated for Emmys. Yeah, it seems the most uh, the most funny to me. Uh, you know what's adjacent to that and is a good watch is the Zoom Big Mouth table read that Nick Kroll hosted. I watched it live. Yeah. Oh, I didn't watch it live. It was so funny. It was so funny. It's so, so uh, it's so surreal because you know who these voices are. But to hear yeah. their to hear their voices like coming out of their faces, I know that's very corny for a radio person to say, but it's like it was it was very surreal because this is an episode we've seen and and we've seen Nick Kroll probably on Jimmy Kimmel like do the hormone monster voice before too, but like all at once in this big read through production, it was very impressive. Well, and not to undersell that, but my favorite thing was watching the actors get a like get a laugh yep. from the other. Like that's when you're like, oh, this this person is well liked and I they just, like really sell it. I just really loved them uh, like gradually beeping in like as it started and they're like, Oh man, Zucas is here. And they talk to him for a second. Right. And just kind of fucking around. Yeah. Yeah. It was so was natural and so cool. I thought that was great. And and there's been a couple different shows that have been doing that lately. Yeah. What would be your number one show that you would want to see do that? West wing. Yeah. That'd be sick. Good call. Yeah. I hope they do that. I'm kind of surprised that it's not in the works. That's like they, everybody who worked on that show loves being like nostalgic about that show and people yeah. would eat it up and it's so verbal. Yeah. Right. What, what do you think is the most fun comedy show, uh, live comedy show that could, could do it? Um, I, well, I don't really know. I, like, I know that they, I'm pretty sure they taped the Friends reunion, so they got that in under the wire, and that's going to air on HBO now or whatever pretty soon. Um, it would be fun to hear them, like, obviously they're not going to do another episode, they're just going to chat about the old days on that thing, but it would be cool to hear them, like, read some old lines and, like, do some scenes. Yeah, yeah, you're, I think, I think the easy answers are, like, you know, like, Friends, Seinfeld, Curb could do it, although totally. Curb is famously not scripted so right. it'd be weird to watch them read a script and go back to it yeah i think those are the best answers yeah i think so too but like the simpsons or like anything like anything that would be as interesting visually as as verbally people would get a kick out of rick and morty might also be kind of interesting totally yeah i think that would be a good one let's talk about shows all right, let's get into it. It's your turn to go first. You may choose from the two. Both shows pretty serious. Not a lot of laughs in our shows of choice. No, I think I'm going to go Tales from the Loop. Okay. Just because there were fewer people to remember 
who was who. I'm not going to be able to remember who was who when we talk about the English game, but I'll do my best. That's down the road. Okay. You can recap uh, the first episode of Tales from the Loop on Amazon Prime. Take roughly 30 seconds in three, two, one, go. So Loretta is a young girl. Her um, mother figure, um, uh, Amala, Amana, is um, clearly like a, a physics genius uh, and doesn't really pay much attention to her, is constantly tinkering away. There are a number of weird side effects happening in the house because of it. Uh, eventually she comes back from school and realizes that her house isn't there. She meets a boy. Uh, she goes to this other house. The mom there kind of shoes the son away. Eventually the little girl realizes that she is the mom. <laughs> Time loop fuck up. She really drew that connection. And, uh, and the show kind of ends with the mom confronting the girl saying like she's going to be okay but the mom thing you got to get over it now you're going to spend your life uh trying to figure it out and you're fine but that is something that you need to know is this an anthology show like is every episode going to deal with different people who have been affected by this loop like it's other people who have been like jerked off the proper jerked off, uh, kind of like <laughs> kind of like shirked off the the proper uh, time continuum on which they belong. That's what Jen asked too, and I I want to say no, but maybe it is. Like I think it's all the people that you might have met in that first episode, but it might focus on different people. Oh, like maybe. I think Brand I think Brandanowitz has his own episode. Yeah, that would make sense. He's yeah. got to be in it for some particular reason. Yeah. Uh, well, interestingly, I kind of, I kind of indirectly saw the twist coming where you realize that, uh, Loretta is her name, that the little girl and like adult Loretta are the same person because, um, we start on Jonathan Price, who's delivering this, like breaking the fourth wall kind of monologue that, that explains to us that like something weird is afoot and it's very like rod serling but also very um richard e grant from dispatches from elsewhere which we watched just a month ago i was like oh this is the same thing people are leaning into it yeah uh and so i was already primed for um jonathan price and then little girl is listening to her parents have an argument and you don't see them they're blurry and clearly they're like the age that a little girl would have parents they're like 40 or whatever but it's yeah. clearly Jonathan Price's voice. And so I was like, okay, Jonathan Price is her dad. And then later on, we see old man Jonathan Price is adult Loretta's dad. And so I was already like subconsciously putting it together, which I right. guess you were supposed to do. Um, yeah. It is it is kind of interesting how quickly they like, they piece it together. Like both Loretta's are like, oh, I know what's going on here. Yeah. I that would take you a percent- month to figure out. I, I think I want to watch, I think I wanted to watch more just because I'm like, what does this little girl do? Like, she says, like, you have a home, but like, she's not talking about her own home, which I thought she was like inviting her to grow up with, <laughs> which is a, its own weird thing. Like, hey, come grow up with me, yourself, and this, and my son, your son. Right. And she doesn't really have a home, right? Like, her home is the one that got like, uh, gravitationally lifted away yeah which was yeah. cool by the way that was a cool effect that yeah that was a very cool shot how would they do that i have no <laughs> idea I, I just all cgi yeah i think so 
I think so, because it was too linear. It was very cool. So does adult Loretta... Has this always been happening in the loop? Like, does adult Loretta remember being the little girl who has the meeting? So that, that's what I was wondering. But when she meets the daughter, um, she does say, I thought this was a dream. Like, I, I always just thought it was a dream. Okay, there you go. So it has always been happening. Time is a loop. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the mother just like disappears and, and, and she has to tell this little girl like, like, Hey, you're going to be fine. But she, she obviously experienced this like already. I did find it pretty profound actually when, when she told the little girl, like as a means of comforting her, uh, eventually you're going to like, uh, randomly find your way into being me. And then you're going to hear that a little girl is looking for her mom. Like right. I, th I thought that was good dialogue. I thought that was like actually a pretty profound way of looking at the loop and explaining to us what it was. What about that really heavy drop though? Like the mom seemed super unprepared, although she like, like clearly experienced this when she said, like Cole said, it didn't seem like I, or the mom says, I don't think your mom or your mom figure really wanted to be your mom. And then Cole says, I don't think my mom really wants to be a mom either. Yeah. And she says that back to her. And she's real and hurt just, by like, it. Crushes her. Yeah. Yeah. But then she like makes, she uses it as a learning opportunity. And she like makes a point of like looking her son in the eye and, and telling him that she's there for him. Like she wants to maybe get back on track with her, her motherhood, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I like that. I like that. It was very, it was very clever. I guess it was, it was smartly thought up. At first, I was a little bit um, skeptical of it because the fact that it's like a period piece, but it's unclear. Like, it was really, I wasn't really uh, clear on what year it was supposed to be, unless this is like last week's podcast and there was a Chiron that told me, and I just wasn't paying attention. No, it's it seemed like it was it was like supposed late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, kind of, kind of eighties ish. Time. But I, but I think it's vague on purpose because time is this loop, and you're supposed to not right. like in the first episode of This Is Us. They're really like, they're they're really strategic about what they show you so that what you don't catch on that we're like looking at two different timelines here. I think maybe that's happening. But I was a little suspicious of it at first because I was like, okay, there's a period piece happening in the late seventies, early eighties, and there's like bubble jackets and kids and the supernatural. Is it just like a non-fun, a non-adventurous version of Stranger Things? And it's really not that because they're they're dealing with time travel, which is ambitious. And it doesn't have any of the pep of Stranger Things. But on the other hand, it doesn't have any of the pep of Stranger Things. Yeah. It, it also doesn't really have any of the pep of Dark. Interesting. Which is what that show's about. Yeah. The, dark is like... Like uh, an intense version of this that focused kind of only on the time travel part where I think this focuses more on like the technology and the, you know, there's like robots and also oh, this right. kind of mysterious mining company. I forgot about the robots. Yeah. There's robots. Yeah. Like she's walking home or she's looking for her house or whatever. And there's just a robot in the woods and she looks at it like it ain't no thing. Right. And there's random like, um, satellites kind of in the middle of the lake. Like, Seems like there's a lot of like experimental physics was like the main trade <laughs> right. out of this, the main export from this town. You give it your S. Um, 
Yeah, I, I do. Do you? If there's one show that I'm giving my ass tonight. Oh, interesting. It, it, it's that one. Okay, I, I'm not going to. I actually, I, I didn't think it really gripped me at all. I just like weird sci-fi time travel stuff. And again, it's not as good as Dark, but I could see maybe it could heat up a little bit. And I want to know about Brandanowitz. Does Brandanowitz come back at, on Parks and Rec at all? Never. In what fact, in fact, we were watching it the other night and uh, there's an episode where I think there's like a maybe a, I think they're having like a little garage sale or something. They're trying to raise money for Jerry's medical bills after he had the fart attack and yeah. and is selling all the junk she collected from her ex-boyfriends because she takes on the personalities of people she dates. And so they yeah. show her table and she's just got these cardboard boxes on it that are labeled with the names of different guys she dates. So there's Chris and Tom and randomly there's like the name Rob and there's never been a Rob in the show. And they actively did not put the name Mark on a box. Like they're they're making an effort to to make you forget that Mark was a part of the show. Maybe there was like a fallout or something there, but like the, I think it the was a way snob. he Yeah. Yeah. The way he left it was like a really nice moment and and Jen and I thought it was a missed opportunity because he gave Leslie these like park plans. Like he drew up these park plans for free. Well, it's and yeah. it was basically like, hey, here's a I think Mike Sure is not you remember when Chuck Lorre killed off uh Charlie Sheen after their public feud? I don't right. think Mike Sure is vindictive in that way, but I do remember yeah. the guy who plays Mark Brandanaquitz saying publicly, like, I didn't get into acting to be like on a fluffy sitcom. Like he was publicly uh, an asshole about it. Gotcha. Which was a huge mistake because he would be more famous if he stayed on that show. Yeah, you're right. 100%. But I think the show is maybe better for not having him on it. For sure. And I think the first two seasons would have been harder for me to watch having known that he was a dick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, I maintain that the second season is really strong and the first season isn't as bad as people say. I, I like the character of Mark Brandanowitz, but I also like that he's not in it the whole time. He comes around he and he's got kind of, like you know, you kind of mentioned those like warm hug moments. Yeah. He has those. That's right. But that's that's a credit to the writing, but also his acting, I'm sure, too. Well, maybe he's going to be good in, in Tales from the Loop. I like the kids. I thought that you say his name was Cole. They were great. Cole and like young Loretta. I thought they were very, very charming. I thought they were good. So I hope they're in it a little bit more. Um, I don't give it my ass just because it doesn't it doesn't speak to me on any level, but I don't think it's bad. That's fair. I, I can't say for certain that I would watch more, but you never know. Okay. It's it's a possibility. So I guess I'll recap the first episode of The English Game, which is on Netflix. Okay. Uh, count me down and I'll do my best. I don't know anyone's names. I don't really even know a lot about what happened in this plot, but I'll do my best. Okay. You're going to start it up in three, two, one, recap. It's the late 1800s at the invention of football, which we know better as soccer. It's kind of a, it's kind of a standoff between the Scots and the the English over who gets to have authority over what professional soccer is uh, logistically and in terms of rules. And the whole episode kind of revolves around how it's a gentleman's sport. Um, which is interesting because the only discussion they have for the full 45-minute episode is uh, about rules and regulations, and they're kind of dicks to each other, plus there's personal relationships. Um, for example, the main British guy, who's, like, distractingly handsome, by the way. Like, the guy with Full the beard. beard. Oh, my goodness. 
so handsome and his like wife is pregnant then she has a miscarriage at the end of the episode and that was like deeply disturbing that was traumatizing it was why, really why did they go so- <laughs> they really leaned into that i think it was yeah, a miscarriage like, they didn't actually resolve it in the episode right but it was but, like, bloody and horrifying it. yeah yeah um but anyway he's uh so he's kind of like grappling on a personal level with um what it means to be a father are you ready to be a father and will i be a good parent and um so I think there's, and then there's like another love story that's kind of blossoming on the, on the Scottish side, which I actually find more charming. And so I guess, I guess the juxtaposition is the fact that we're like dealing with like seriously adult themes, but we're playing a game and we're taking it seriously. Like, like it's like, cause that's what we do with sports and that's how professional sports came to be. Um, it's worth noting that this is uh, created and written at least in part by Julian Fellows who is the creator and sole writer of all of Downton Abbey. Um, and so that's that's your way in. If you're a fan of Downton Abbey, you might be a little let down by the first episode of this because it's just not as juicy. It's not as soapy or, or delicious as Downton Abbey. But I think he's involved because someone wanted to make this show and he is the go-to pop cultural authority on Victorian English uh, drama. I was watching it thinking, is this supposed to be Sports Downton Abbey? Yeah, it is supposed to be and Sports Downton Abbey. And by the way, it's based on a true story about the invention of professional football. And um, all I can speak to about uh, Julian Fellows in terms of his uh, adapting nonfiction is that he made a, he made a six-part uh, Titanic miniseries, which is widely maligned by the Titanic fan base for its inaccuracy. So I, you want to take this story oh. with a grain of salt. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to speak more highly of him in, in that moment, but no, he made a great soap opera in Downton Abbey, which I adore. Um, right. And I didn't even necessarily dislike the English game. I think that there's some good jumping off points here, um, but it's kind of just remember the Titans in like 150 years ago. You know what yeah, I mean? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it just did not have enough for me to want to keep going at all. I don't give my ass. I I think it was well done. Like, there's nothing wrong with the show. There is a a um, there is a group that will like watching this show, but yeah. it's not me. And I, I think it has something to do with my, you know, don't really like time. I don't like prequels. And I don't. You don't like period dramas. Like, I don't love period dramas, depending on what period it's in. But like, you know, pre nineteen forties is really tough for me. I actually really like um, scuzzy England. I I like like Sherlock Holmes England. I th- I think that's yeah. kind of cool. Uh, and you yeah. get that here, like in Spades. Um, I, I was I, like watching these these Scottish soccer players. I'm going to keep saying soccer. Football is what I mean. And all I could think was this might have less of an audience, but I have a feeling the the invention of curling show would be so much more interesting because it'd just be a bunch of drunk Scots cursing on the ice and inventing curling. And that sounds like a blast. Well, I was kind of thinking that too. Like the invention of sports, like what's the one that I would want to see the most? Because even like, as I was watching, I was like, I, I would rather see a show about a current day soccer team than the invention of this. Well, and how do they know for sure how soccer was 
I mean, I guess saying it's soccer is invented in this show is kind of a stretch because soccer already exists, but like it's the establishment yeah, of like a league. They're kind of vague about it, actually. Like, like you're already probably twenty to fifty years into soccer being played. Yeah. And and by the way, didn't love the soccer scenes at all. No. Like it was constantly just a group of like fifty people on the field with the same person kicking it in the goal every time. That's like, such yeah, a mix it up a bit. Such a tricky thing about sports movies in general, sports cinema is is less is more for sure and creating something that's that's um transferable to the layman something that that like even somebody who's is not familiar with the sport can be fluent in understanding it's just just create some kind of physical theater and this wasn't that it was just chaos it felt like i was watching real real sports that i don't understand right yeah it uh it just it wasn't for me do you give it your ass i kind of do weirdly i was i was more into it than than the loop um I, I'm interested in, there's also this other like relevancy for now uh, in the fact that it's like while all this is happening, they're all like men who work in factories and industry is dying and joblessness right. is permeating. And so um, in a way, it's a show about how, uh, it's it's a show about the invention of sports as escapism, which is right. which is kind of exactly what's happening to them, and that's a thing that still exists today. And now totally. we're living in this time where like uh, industry is dying and and joblessness is permeating um, in a very new and immediate sense. And instead of sports, we have Tiger King to to escape to. Right, and in that sense, I I did find it very interesting. Like some of the parallels of like, listen, industry is suffering, but the people all want something to take their minds off of. What can we do to the extent that the owner of that one football team is like willing to go through all costs and, and be a black sheep within the industry um, to, you know, try to bring the people what they want. Right. So for that reason, I think that they've laid the groundwork for some good drama. If the characters develop quite a bit, um, assuming that um, the lady who had a miscarriage, who looks like a, a knockoff Claire Foy, assuming that she lives and he gets to be a dad, I mean, maybe he doesn't get to be a dad just yet, but like, I think I think that there could be some some interesting stories here. But there's not a lot of personality in the characters. They're really talking about football a lot, and particularly like the rules about football and whether or not this yeah. is is legal on the field. And that was but, muddy. But and I'm sure this is probably, and I'm guessing at this, I'm sure this is probably the same way that Down Abbey was, and 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 for sure the way that Game of Thrones was, where. There's not for sure a, a good guy or team. Uh, well, no. I mean, the thing about Downton Abbey is it's like the the culture dichotomy between the the help and the aristocracy. They're all right. There's, there's good and bad people in both cultures, both but there certainly right. are good people and bad people in the show, and that's what it's about. And you know who the hero is, and you know as early as the first episode, this whole show is about finding Lady Mary a husband. And I don't really know what the English game is about. I don't know what they're aiming to do with these people. But you don't necessarily hate Beardy. Like, no, I like not, Beardy. Yeah, he's he's kind of a a good guy. Like you, you see that he's kind of struggling with. Um, you know, being a gentleman while his wife is kind of like judging him and also like playing the game. And and you see like 
the issues that he's having with the the main character on the on the Scottish team as well. And generationally, he wants to be a more present dad than his own dad was. And so then right, right. There, there, you know, he has morals. And so, you know, he's yes. a human and that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a fascinating take, too, um, because I think there are a lot of people that might be in that position, too, where, you know, they didn't necessarily have a bad childhood because of income. But they, you know, I, I think that's something that speaks across uh, generations and and cross um, economic situations, too. Like you're saying, yeah. like there are people who like aren't sure exactly what parenthood is because they don't have a, a great template of it or and I, and I think in general, it's not just not having a great template of it. I think almost everybody can relate to not knowing what it's going to be like when there's a kid here. And that's, and that's, um, that makes for good storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. True. Well, there you go. We had a good chat about the English game. You know what? I, uh, if there's ever a time to not have kids, it's right now. Wow. <laughs> people are doing it. <laughs> I know, but people are not like, I don't think people are trying to get pregnant right now. I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. Like that would be fascinating to me. It considering getting pregnant involves spending a certain amount of time at the hospital, and considering that's not a place you want to have to go right now, mm -hmm. there would certainly be some complications. Well, and then the whole like, like the amount of people on Facebook that are are like man having a kid is so tough right now like while working from home oh. it kind of makes you realize like oh yeah that that would be brutal and that is something that these people are having to do and they're not liking it yeah like, <laughs> yeah so many kids are getting nintendo switches just to shut the fuck up right yeah and you're realizing like wow what like you're having a kid based on the fact that you're not going to be around the kid all the time. That's part of the motivation. Like I don't want to be around him like all the time. I right. don't want to like not have a choice. Like I want to be able to leave for eight to 12 hours of the day. Yeah. I want to be able to get back. away. Yeah. Complicated, yeah. complicated. What a strange, strange thought. Yes, it is. Anyways, it's all it's all coming to mind right now. I think it's it's great for uh, a lot of the like parents of newborns. I think they're like loving this right now. Well, that's true, especially if just like one person was going to have to stay with the kid. Um, yeah. There's there's just more presence at home. That's certainly true. But there's you know there's still just the general health fear. Like God forbid your infant gets sick right now. Right. Yeah. True. Oh, well, totally. One more thing to be concerned about. Yeah. And there's we got enough of these worries. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, for example, what's Will Smith up to? I don't know. I, I started watching this documentary about Quincy Jones last night. Have mm -hmm. you seen this? No. It's not bad. It's actually, you would, you'd probably enjoy it. Okay. Um, there's, he's, uh, you know, so ubiquitous in the music industry that it's like kind of insane. Yeah. Um, but at one point, actually multiple points, he's pictured with Will Smith. Ah. And he asks Will Smith to come to his 
um, it's like a blacksmithsonian event. Okay. And honestly, <laughs> I, I had to turn it off because because it was too late for me to continue watching. Right. So I don't know if, if Will Smith accepts the invitation or not. You can't trust either but way. There's something inherently uh, like like I just. I don't. I, I don't know if I want to watch more because I don't want to see Quincy be let down by Will Smith. Oh, you're just looking over Quincy Jones. Don't you think Quincy Jones yeah. can look out for himself? I mean, he's been pretty successful. He knows a snake when he sees a snake. Yeah, but he, you know, he needs a hand. Yeah, you're right. He's like we all need help this time. Yep. Yep, that's true. Yeah. He's not that. He's not in his nineties, is he? I. He's pretty old. You saw the documentary, I guess. He's not yeah, Regis Philbin I, old though, is he? He could be. Let me Maybe. let me just do a quick quick Google. All right. Yeah, because then I don't have to ask. You know the the echo. Yeah, yeah, the help. And then she's gonna tell me about how much money he's for sure worth. He is. How old was Regis? Eighty-eight. Quincy's eighty-seven. Oh, okay. They're contemporaries, with, though. W- with diabetes. Ah, okay. And he goes into a diabetic coma at the oh, at the damn. beginning of this for like for like four days. So where was where was Will Smith when Quincy went into a diabetic coma? Actually, I think he might have been there. Oh, that sucks for my argument. That kind of that that was nice. No, no, no. he wasn't helping him. Oh, oh. He was he was there like the night that he was like partying and like he was partying while while Quincy Jones was having a diabetic coma. Yeah, I think Quincy Jones was partying too, but still. But yeah. So was. Will. But then an emergency happened, and the other guy's still over there. Welcome to Miami. The family's all there. Yeah, he's still getting jiggy with it. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I think I think we know. I think we've learned enough. Yeah, who who to trust? Who to never trust? Never trust Will Smith. Never go outside. And never go outside for now. <laughs> <laughs>